welcome to the Parent Hub Live family podcast. Join us as we encourage, challenge, and partner with you to help bring your best to parenting. Each episode will feature a parent from our Bethany community, and we hope that their stories will inspire yours and will leave you with a few insights along the way. Hey, welcome back to another Parent Hub Live family podcast. Last week, we introduced you to Laura and Austin Hub, and we had such a good time with them that we could not keep it to one podcast. So we are happy to be joined by them once again. And uh, if you um, if you didn't hear the first podcast, just go back to last episode, have a listen before we jump in, or you could just jump in with this and just do it reverse. It's up to you. Uh, but we're so glad to be joined once again by them. And, and as always, Genevieve Epp. And Yay. so, yeah, welcome, guys. Yeah, how's, welcome. How's everyone doing this evening as we are recording? Great. Yeah. Enjoying the weather. No mosquitoes. I'm happy. <laughs> I don't know. I got bit one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's beautiful out. Perfect mm-hmm. day. Yeah, it's Wonderful. been such a. It's been such a great, uh, such a great weekend. Well, I guess we're just going to recap because um, as we're podcasting, we just want to remember that um, from our conversation with Austin and Laura, that um, that they are in an interracial marriage. And so Austin has some Canadian Korean background and Laura, maybe more the European Canadian background. And um, and so just as we jump in, uh, Austin you have um, been open about some of the discrimination that has been going on for people who are of Asian descent in Canada and I guess in North America right now. And so I just was wondering, can you talk a little bit more about that? Would you be willing to share about what that discrimination might look like here and um, how that may or may not have impacted you personally? Yeah, um, I think the first thing that I want to identify would be, I think Asians experience um, discrimination a little bit differently than perhaps other minorities in North America, and in particular in Canada. I think um, there's a lot more microaggression towards the Asian community. Um, And so, yeah, like, I guess me immigrating to Canada in the 80s. I remember seeing my brother um, constantly getting into fights as like a five-year-old, six-year-old. And uh, it revolved around him being Asian. So kids would tease him and um, it would escalate. And then I remember my brother coming home with bloody noses and like he was pretty upset and um, just little things like, I know Canada feels like they're a pretty progressive country, but when my brother was young, um, I remember the school teacher wanted to put my brother into like a special school because of his anchor management, or maybe he had a learning disability. When in fact, it was that he was facing discrimination or racism um, at a level where he couldn't express himself, so he'd get into fights. Turns out, as um, a five, six-year-old, my brother picked up the language very efficiently, very proficiently. His acceleration in terms of, uh, I guess, his uh, academic growth in North America or Canada surpassed 
his, uh, I guess, Canadian counterparts, right? And so thank God for my mom that my mom was a strong enough woman to understand that her son did not have a learning disability. It was um, teasing. It was these kinds of things um, that kind of led to these events. And just even more recently, uh, so I'm a teacher, I'm an educator. I've been doing this for, I've been doing it for 16 years now. I, I'm coming from the Peel region and I just transferred over uh, to the Niagara board. And I've, I've experienced a little bit of racism in my short time in Niagara, right? Mm. And so uh, this one student um, uh, who wasn't one of my students, but he was uh, a, a part of a different class and he was calling out my name. So what's your name? He was asking me what my name was. And I said, my name's Mr. Ha. And then, and then he was mispronouncing it and um, giving a lot of different variations of ha, right? And, and so you could see that he was also getting, um, uh, he was drawing quite a bit of attention to this. And so uh, even students in my class were kind of laughing at it because this kid was a little bit of a ringleader. I brought, I brought this to the attention to the principal. The principal uh, most likely dealt with it because later on the kid apologized to me. And I had a conversation with the student. I wasn't mad at him. I understood like kids make mistakes and whatnot. And I've been teaching for a long enough time to like realize that, you know, hey, we need to have grace. People have make mistakes. And, you know, especially boys, when they're getting a certain kind of reaction, they just kind of run with it. But the conversation that I had with this uh, student was, <clears throat> listen, I've got three daughters who are also in this system that you're a part of. I never want my daughters to ever feel like going to feel ostracized or made fun of because of their last name. And so I think there was a lot of learning going on at that particular moment right? For the student and for myself, right? Like I'm an older, like I'm like 43, you know? So I've, I've got years of experience to like process these things and like take it for what it's worth. Just my general observation of like racism or discrimination in the Asian community, because the Asian, um, I guess, culture is not as vocal sometimes people might take liberties with poking fun and it's a little bit easier to make fun. And, and I think it might also have to do with like male culture too. And that um, oftentimes in media, Asian males aren't um, portrayed as dominant individuals. Right. Always and so, the nerdy ones. Yeah. Like they're techie, they're, whatever it might be. Right. And so I, I think a lot of these kinds of things like um, culminate into being an easy target. And so while I, I think um, society uh, in many respects um, believes that we're like the model immigrant, right. Um, it also kind of um, works against us in that uh, people kind of sometimes might take liberties in the way that we joke 
and uh, the way that we perceive people. And so, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of um, breaking down um, like racism uh, that affects people of minority that is not black or white. There's a big chunk in the middle that a lot of people are affected by, right? So, but in terms of like, I, I don't, I feel comfortable living in Canada, right? I've never felt in danger of my life. I've never felt threatened by people, right? But I also know that I might have a different experience than another Asian male living in Canada. And so, um, yeah, but these are just little things that I notice sometimes. And yeah, while we could still do better, I still enjoy living in Ontario. I still lo love living in Canada. And But there, it, it definitely is present. I do see it. And sometimes I experience it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I know that might be difficult to do because it's not like you can see the audience around you. So you're... You're just sharing. And um, I just really appreciate that, Austin. And I think when I was listening to you and you were talking about your girls and what your hopes are for them, and then even um, just like transferring from one region, sort of your teaching role into another region and, and reestablishing yourself here, there's just a, a, a lot for for you to process, I guess, and to make, to make some forward motion in for your for your family right so when I'm thinking about family Laura like I'm looking at you because I'm wondering as you're listening to Austin talk and as you're listening to be and you're part of his life you know and and he's he's um going through these things how does this impact you as a mom and as a spouse I think for me, like the first step, the first thing would be learning, like what I've learned myself in my own process with understanding racism and even microaggression. And, and, you know, sometimes I think, um, for myself, it's like, well, I'm not racist. I might've talked about this last time too. And my memory is like a sieve, but, <laughs> but just like now, like seeing, seeing it more firsthand and well, like seeing how it ha does affect Austin and, and even my kids, it's been like eye-opening for me. And I think um, the biggest frustration I would have is um, with people who um, don't understand racism or ha racism or haven't done the work themselves or um, explain it away. Um, I'm not racist or um, I, I don't think that way, but um, the fact that certain little microaggressions and things come out in a way that makes people feel other is the kind of the best way I can kind of explain it. It's not necessarily meant to harm. Sometimes it's quite ignorant, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's, it's not meanly intended, but it still has the effect of making someone feel like they don't belong or like they're other. Um, a little example I have is, you know, and again, one of those things that it doesn't really give, bring a lot of harm, but um, somebody at the Y, um, my sister had taken my three kids and put them in the daycare and um, whoever gave them back <laughs> to, to my sister at the end of it was like, oh, are you adopting these children? <laughs> and, you know, like no harm, but if they were white, that question likely would not have been asked and that the assumption would be that these little 
Asian girls, um, you know, were being adopted by a white person <laughs> um, was just, you know, one that was like, oh, okay. So this is you know, not harm, not meant to be harmful, but has the, um, it makes you feel, it can make you feel like other, like you don't belong. And I've had, I could probably, I probably have a handful of similar type experiences. So um, yeah, the biggest thing I think is just having to explain to people that it does exist and it is real. And, and as the church, we need to be standing up for, for that and, um, and elevating the fact that the image of God is present in everyone. We also had an experience in America. Oh boy. <laughs> I was, I wasn't going to say this one. <laughs> I can't believe it happened. Right. And I laugh, but I know it's not funny, but there was this lady who uh, pulled back her eyes. Right. To me. Yeah. She's like, like, Oh, pulls back her eyes. Oh, your kids look a little like this, huh? <laughs> and for those people who can't see me, I'm, it's yeah, never mind what I'm doing. Um, but it was just like I was just floored that yeah. that this would yeah, our eyes look like that. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. husband's Korean, they're my yeah. children, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna um sort of double back and I want to hear, um, Austin, you mentioned about your girls, right? And and I do want to unpack that a little bit too of how you're sort of preparing them uh, to face these kind of things that you're talking about. Um, but I do want to just dig in a little bit deeper, Austin and Laura, a little bit about uh, some of these microaggressions and things that you've talked about. And sometimes discrimination, this type of injustice and microaggressions can sometimes seem overwhelming to us. And uh, we can almost seem powerless to, to make any kind of change. Um, but again, I, I think that we are to listen and to stand in the gap for the voiceless and the powerless. Um, so what can we do um, as individuals um, and then as a church uh, to, to do better in this uh, area? And maybe think of the bigger picture response um, to the discrimination, the injustice and those microaggressions. And then, and then personally, uh, how can we respond to you or others facing that? I have a couple thoughts. Do you... Do you, no, you, you chime in first, yeah. I think the biggest thing is, especially speaking to white people as a white person myself that um, has been on a journey. And again, I do have a long way to go yet on it, but it's, it's don't gaslight or explain away what makes you feel uncomfortable at the expense of what someone else might be feeling. It is very easy to just what's the word like minimize these these small things and make them like not a big deal um, or know that your heart is intentionally you know true pure and you're not you know you would never do that but yet it, it does still cause pain so I think like collectively and individually it's it's that be listening like actually listening even when it's uncomfortable even when it means that you might have to face mistakes <laughs> that you've made um, or, or look at the world or start looking at the world in a different way. And I think to a motivator or what, what I've started learning and what has become a motivator for me is just how much more vast the story of God can be when it's outside of just one small lens. 
Um, and I think I talked a little bit about that last time too. So it's, it's, it's just seeing that, that the image of God lives in all of us. And when we, (laughs) when we follow God, we all have a story that can be, can be shared from our, from our unique um, perspectives. As far as the, what can um, we do differently? Yeah. What can we do differently? I think, yeah, I think one, one thing, I don't know if you can do it differently, but like, I think a little bit of education might help. Like the Asian experience immigrant experience in anywhere in North America works like this. I have to live two different lives, right? I had to maintain these dual streams of consciousness. I had to learn how to be Asian. And then I had to learn the conventions of white society. Right. And so the ones who can master that typically make it out on top. But the ones who do not master that as well, or choose not to master that, right? Um, sometimes it results in a different kind of future, right? A different kind of outcome. So I learned. So English was not my first language. Well, if you if you met me for the first time, you would think that I was born in Canada, right? I wasn't. English was not my first language, all right. But people assume that. English was my first language. So we had to learn my family. My parents didn't know how to really speak English. We had to learn how to speak English. Right. And then we had to learn how to be proficient readers and writers. And then we had to go through the education system and we had to learn how to do this at a, at a rate and at an efficiency that, you know, that our white counterparts mm-hmm. can do it. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say one thing. So that got me. And like, this is, the most derogatory thing that honestly I'm, I'm ashamed that I used to say out loud and like laugh about is when you talk about, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression like, Oh, so-and-so is a banana that they're yellow or Asian on the outside and they're white on the inside because, Oh yeah. Like they look Asian, but they're white. They're basically white. And how, derogatory and minimizing that is of someone of someone's journey because it's just an attempt to make them the same as you so you can fit it into your neat little package when really they're that person is likely just very good at playing white well here's the other thing um it's also survival technique so we immigrated when in the 80s right so I had to change. I had to adopt uh, a Canadian name because Yun's son is less palatable for like uh, kids in Edmonton, Alberta in the 80s, right? They, it just, it doesn't sound Canadian, right? And so like, you know, even though Yun's son is not even the name that I use, my parents call me something different, but like, it just, it wasn't good enough, right? And so this was something very intentional. Um, when we had our kids, I wanted my girls to have Korean names, partially because they're going to have reminders that they live in a white community like St. Catharines. Even though St. Catharines is uh, progressing, right? And it's uh, changing demographically. But like for the most part, their extended family is pretty much white. Um, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to know how to be white, right? How to function in uh, Western society, right? But I always wanted a little bit of a reminder, right? To make sure 
that they understood that their Korean culture heritage is important because that's something that I lost <clears throat> because my parents wanted my brother and I to be successful in uh, Canada. So we, they intentionally, um, we, we were raised in non-Korean communities, Brampton, you know, Pickering, you know, a short stint in Mississauga, right? Like these are not where Koreans live. Um, we're not like Koreans live in Toronto, <laughs> right? Koreans live like they don't live in Brampton. So these, this was like part by design so that we could like assimilate and uh, they wanted to give us the best opportunities to be successful. Now, as I know more, I know better. So I'm going to do better. Now that I know that we are in a kind of global community where it's okay to have different sounding names, right? And so I want to make sure my kids embrace their names. They already know more. My <laughs> daughter already can read more Korean. Not that I can't read Korean, but my daughter can read Korean because my mom taught her how to read Korean, right? And I'm very, and I'm going to keep on fostering that. But that generation, like I, it, there was a lost generation of Korean with my brother and I. Yeah, was there? I feel like we didn't hit everything. It was a multifaceted question. I think I got stuck in one of the facets. I, I think <laughs> one of the big things was like, what could they do? Like, what could people yeah. do to like, um, mm. you know? And I don't know. Like, I think honestly, like, I look at people as good people not not good person right like and i can deal with a lot of ignorance i could deal with a lot of things if if you had good intentions behind things right i'd rather be hanging out with good people than like woke people that i don't get along with right <laughs> you know and that's that's the truth of it right? because i we can work on all that other stuff later right but like you know sometimes i i don't really care to hang out with like people that know a lot about stuff, but I'm living it. All right. You can tell me everything about racism, discrimination, but I'm living it. Right. Like, you know, so I'd rather just be around people that I get along with. Well, this has been so good to, to listen and to hear your story, hear some of your experiences. And I think like just amazing, like, like Austin, how you're basically living two lives, right. And you're having to work twice as hard to connect and to fit in and to also maintain your heritage and who you are as a person. And I think, you know, that's so easy to miss in, mm -hmm. in all our interactions and, mm -hmm. and not even to think about how I can or how we can bend just that little bit to accommodate and bend that little bit yeah. to, right, just to lean into who you are and not always look to you to do all that bending and all that, you know, restoring and, and reshaping to fit into our context. And so, you know, kudos for you to you to, for doing that and for leaning into relationship and leaning into community. Um, but I think, yeah, as we, as we, as we talked about, I think we each can do better to not only rely on you doing some of that leaning, but us leaning into you uh, and us as a church leaning into you. And I think even just having this conversation uh, is 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 a good place to is a good place to start. And again, as Jen said, thanks so much for for being open, for being honest, for sharing your story in, in all this. So thank you. 
I just want to uh, just double back and, and just pick up a bit with, with your girls and, and uh, your family. And so how are you sort of uh, kind of building into them some of this resiliency? Austin, I love how you talked about you don't want them to lose their Korean heritage and how um, you know, you're training them in, in the language and, and, and all that. Um, but how are you sort of preparing them to kind of respond and to face maybe some of that racism or microaggression discrimination that they're, um, they may face? We haven't really had those kinds of talks, right? <laughs> because we're just around such like positive people, honestly, right? But um, well, a little bit because because they have felt other, right? So just in talking to them about heritage and the fact that like like Jesus made all of us and that some people aren't like don't understand. We don't understand each other if we don't try, right? So I've, I've just tried to like to talk in that kind of a way to them yeah there, there was one time when our eldest um yeah asked, we talked about that last time i think yeah 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 like yeah. She, she just said like what do i have to be korean right and it's like i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> so and like well and, and just pride in who you are right yeah, it's so right. hard growing up anyways like having like with self-esteem issues and stuff like that like i know one of the things we have talked about is like that putting them in dance is like a good body positive body image thing for them and that could be the same as like any girl right like getting to know and feel comfortable with their body but I would say that I might be I look I might look for those kinds of things more specifically not about not about opportunities to learn things as much as ways to build confidence in who they are and and um their abilities here's another way um Again, like growing up in Brampton and all that, like I have like mm. friends of every single culture except mm. Korean, right? <laughs> okay, so well now we have Korean friends. Well, <laughs> I, I'm gonna build up to that, okay, right? Sorry. <laughs> so, um, like the more my girls are exposed to the normacy of Koreanness, right? And so that's why it's important that my girls see my parents because my parents cook Korean for them. And it's not such a odd, bizarre, foreign food. It's quite, um, it's something that they look forward to now. And so like just the more exposure to like being around Korean things, um, that helps. And then we were pretty, um, we were pretty intentional with making Korean relationships, even though there aren't a ton in St. Catharines, right? But uh, I remember, like, I used to go to uh, Ontario early years or Ontario early on centers when the girls were young. And I, I literally, if I hear someone talking, speaking Korean, and I know they don't know a lick of English and I can't speak a lick of Korean, I would still go up to them. Right. <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I'd be a little funny about it and then they <laughs> liked it. And then we, we try to communicate. Right. Um, the more my girls also see kids that look like them yeah. helps. And then, then, um, you know, when that time comes where they might have to stick up, for someone or for themselves, they'll have a little more of a background, a little more base and a little more foundation to like, yeah. you know, be confident and say, Hey, no, that's not weird. 
Well, I, in fact, that actually already happened. Yeah. And I like how you say, like, we haven't talked about this. We haven't talked about this. <laughs> but uh, Yuna uh, came home and told us a story about how um, another boy in her class had um, uh, Kim, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's Kim, like, it's a like seaweed, yeah, roasted seaweed, seaweed yeah. in their lunch. And that some of the kids were making fun of him and that she stood up for this boy and, and said, you know, like you should try something new or something like that. And I was yeah. like, we were so proud of her oh, yeah. Yeah. for, for doing yeah. that and having the confidence to yeah. do that. And, you know, like, because she knew what it was, she could empathize and she eats it herself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I would hope that, you know, in, in hard times for them, that there would be people to stand in the gap for them. And yeah. uh, even as much as we're teaching them to stand in the gap for others. And, um, one of the things too, Austin, that you had said, because Austin's parent now COVID has probably erased all memory of this, but um, when Austin's parents moved down here to to um, St. Catharines, because um, we'd been up to Brampton a lot, and Brampton is so um, culturally diverse, um, and uh, Austin had said we need to keep going up there, Jacuzzi Park or places like that, and just even to continue to remind the girls that there are many different kinds of people in this world and, and we are all equal. And, but you know, it can be difficult when it's predominantly white to see yourself as who you are and not just try to mold into um, the culture that's around you. I'm just dying to know, I'm just going to jump right in there and ask. So what do you do though, when kids have questions for your kids about differences? Because that does come up, right? Do you guys like talk about that at home or, I mean, cause I'm going to be honest, we've had to have those talks at home about how do we ask about differences so that it's not, you know, hurtful, but we're still curious. We're human. So we're curious and we want to know, right? How do you coach your kids or how do you? Yeah. I think like that is so important. I think I'd like no better, do better. Right. And any parents now, like I, I know, you know, you want to teach your kids about, uh, about like, you can't ignore it. <laughs> you can use words like Asian and black to explain, <laughs> to explain. Um, and I think it's like, it's good to en encourage just to name things, right. And to explain what, what some of the, what <laughs> some of the things that uh, historically have come along with it. So I think it's more just um, like, there's so many resources and books out there now that help parents do this. And I would just encourage, you know, we have some, I would, I know we have some kids resources on our uh, racial unity page on the Bethany website. And I would encourage you like people to look at that if they're looking for, for explaining some of those things to their kids. Cause I am now quite intentional about searching that out, both um, secular and Christian that um, aren't just, you know, white people and white Jesus, <laughs> but are, are um, you know, many different um, um, cultures. And I think that's kind of the easy through story, right? Like that's an easy way to do it as well. So, and even like, even beyond culture, like I'm a special ed teacher, right? So hmm. varying abilities, right? Different able bodies, yeah. different, like, yeah. Um, unfortunately, my kids haven't Oh yeah, my my kids have gone to my classrooms in Mississauga, and they they they've met some of my students before in Mississauga. Yeah, I think just exposure yeah. to just um, hammer the point that there's like more similarities and differences. Yeah, yeah. right. 
and not to be afraid or, yeah, you know, to hush things, to lean into those questions and. Yeah, that it's, it's okay to ask those questions, right? And to, yeah. if, you, if you're curious about something, kind of lean into that and step yeah. into that and, and, and ask those questions that you're wondering about. And really, because when you do that, I think you're stepping into relationship, right? You're, you're putting yourself in a position to say, hey, I want to learn, I want to know, and, and that, like, and I want to be connected in relationship. So no, that's good. Yeah. Hey, Laura, you, you had talked about the racial unity team, and I know this is something that you're championing at yeah. Bethany. First of all, I want to say thank you uh, for that, because that is helping us as a community be better and do better. Maybe for our listeners who don't know what that is and don't know kind of the purpose and the, 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 the passion behind that, why don't you just kind of pull the curtain back and, and, and tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, I would say that has been just an incredible team of, uh, we had six, now I think we have five, um, and we are looking, I think, to add some more people as we as we do, as we grow in this. But um, I would just say like, I've, I've learned so much through um, the stories and uh, experiences of, of these incredible people. <laughs> um, and we've gone through uh, a book called Be the Bridge um, and gone through all the questions and just kind of discussed that and learned from each other. Um, it was uh, one of the most amazing moments for me. And when I say amazing, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it was more like a gut punch is um, I was sitting next to one of the people in our group that is um, indigenous and we were supposed to, the question was related to, sorry, I know this is more than you asked, but I, <laughs> I'm still going to tell it. Um, <laughs> the question was related to um, like, what's something from your ancestry that you're exceptionally proud of? And, and I was, I thought about this question ahead of time. And I was like, I'm so proud of my ancestors. Like they, they came to Canada for the free lit. Oh my gosh. For the free land that was not theirs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, okay. Well, and just that sudden, like, oh, <laughs> your, your experience through what I'm proud of is that you lost your land and your freedom. And it was like, I can still, you know, I can still be proud. I, well, maybe not proud is not the right word, but it's like, it's just how our stories intertwine in that moment was just such a, an incredible learning experience for me and just kind of put a different light and, and lens on things. So, so the work then that we're doing as a group is mostly listening and learning to each other, but then looking into where are, where are there issues and things within the body of Christ where we could be doing better? Where can we build bridges between um, between us where we, we might not even realize that there's a rift. Neither party might be fully conscious of this, but yet there is a barrier. And, and so can we talk about these things? Can we learn and grow from each other? Can we look to, um, to build bridges <laughs> between each other and, and therefore, you know, make the body of Christ so much richer and, and if we do that work now, as God brings us more and more people of different backgrounds, then we have a better foundation with which to, to welcome everyone. So the work that we're doing as we are still like fledgling and trying to figure everything out is just really connected to the sense of building racial unity, <laughs> as we've called ourselves, and just um, looking for ways to appreciate and grow together in Christ. <laughs> but I love it because I think 
too, one of the things that you have been doing is highlighting their stories for us. Yeah. Right? And so as, as we all put ourselves in a position of learner and listener, it's good to hear their stories and to, and to learn from them. So thanks for, thanks for highlighting them and kind of pushing them out of the shadows into the forefront uh, so we can, we can learn and grow. And I would recommend that book be the bridge. Uh, that is mm-hmm. something that we as a staff are journeying through as well. And um, again, just lots of eye-opening moments of, of self-reflection and prayer and so again, thanks for that recommendation. So if that's something that you want to do uh, as an individual, I would recommend that. Uh, I would highly recommend you doing that with your home church or with your spouse or your partner. Yeah, Laura. And we're looking at putting together some groups actually to go through that. So if you are interested in that, um, G is our leader and uh, you can connect with her and get set up with a group for that. Um, that Cause we're gonna try to make them as much as we can, um, diverse, because it's so much richer when you can hear from yeah. a bunch of different voices. So, yeah. 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 And so you can, you can go on our website, bethanycc.ca. There's a link to the racial unity team on there uh, to get more information about some of the resources that, uh, that Laura has been uh, referencing here. Uh, hey, maybe one last question. Um, why don't you share with our listeners, maybe a best piece of marriage advice and then parenting advice that you guys have received oh yes yes yeah we've received okay we <laughs> love the advice tidbits at the end i don't have to be an expert in this i could just pass on that i heard right. that are good <laughs> this is something i heard works i'm not sure <laughs> it might be related to those pet peeves no <laughs> yeah clean up your shoes yeah, yeah. i'm gonna take some clean pictures yeah. since we talked about it last week there are a couple of times it was like oh this looked like he just stepped out of them as he was <laughs> you ever want something you got to give something right? like <laughs> is that is that your marriage advice <laughs> if i want something important then i got to clean up the house good right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um yeah like, yeah, the posture, like for marriage, I think it's just that, and, and, and with anything, like, it's just like humility to listen to the other person and to, um, you know, like maybe I'm still right, but I'm going to listen long enough to, <laughs> to you to decide whether or not I'm right. <laughs> and, and, um, but just posture myself in a way that allows for, um, your yeah Austin's voice to be heard and for me to actually like listen <laughs> if that's the, yeah so just mm-hmm. I think humility is the biggest thing that like getting rid of pride and being open and vulnerable to that knowing how to say sorry some people can't say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> right sorry is a good one yeah yeah, yeah. Parenting, parenting, oh, parenting yeah the parenting side so for me, I was given two bits of advice that uh, that I hold on to. The first is um, is oh, loud motorcycle. Sorry. Uh, the first is that don't waste time feeling guilty because there are a thousand things that you could feel guilty for. Guilty centers yourself. Don't feel guilty. Move past it and just invest in your kids. So that was given to me, and it's so good because like it's so easy to feel like that mom guilt. Um, and then the other one is like, don't expect your teenagers to talk to you if you don't invest in them when they're younger. So 
um, if you don't have conversations with a, them as a four-year-old or an eight-year-old, don't expect to have conversations with them as a 16-year-old. So I, uh, I'm saying that negatively, <laughs> but um, the idea of like really fostering conversation and, and interest in their lives now um, to lay that foundation for, um, for them being still somebody that we, they can come to even when they're, you know, 16 and we'll probably want to listen to their friends more, <laughs> but what about you got anything? I don't know. <laughs> I would say if you can't put it into words, the advice that you live is, is, is I, I tell them I love them all the time. You play with them and yeah. you play with them on their level. And yeah. that's, and that's, yeah, that's everything. So, yeah. yeah. No, I just love that. And I love that. And Austin, I love that you were like, I just love them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, one of those simple pieces of advice that sometimes we just forget about, right? Just, we just got to love our kids and we got to love our spouse and do whatever it takes to get there. So just thanks for that reminder today. <laughs> I'm sure I'll go tuck my kids in tonight and <laughs> be like, I do love you. After this long, hard day of staying home together all day for endless hours during pandemics. No, I do. And you're fantastic. And I'm so glad to do this life with you. Right? Yeah. 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 But if you That's were cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love you more if you were in school. <laughs> I'd love you more. No. No. Oh, dear. Well, thank you, Austin and Laura. Thank you for taking the time uh, to share with us again, for being open, for being open, for being vulnerable uh, to helping us be better uh, people. And so thanks for taking the time for us uh, tonight. And uh, thank you for being available as well. Uh, to parents who want to learn more and who want to connect. Uh, as, as we continually say, we don't parent alone. Uh, if you're listening, if you're struggling with something with your kids or in your marriage, um, please reach out. Uh, you, you don't have to wonder if you have to go through it alone. Uh, there are people here uh, who care about you, who want to journey with you, who want to listen, who want to learn uh, and give whatever advice we can, but most of all, to pray with you. And so please, please reach out. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen uh, this evening. We're going to close off and I'm going to ask Jen to, to pray for Lauren, for Austin, uh, for their family, and for all those who are listening. So thanks, Jen, for, for closing us off in prayer. Uh, Jesus, we're just grateful that you uh, chose to come and live with us humans and that you, um, you've experienced everything that we've talked about tonight and that we have um, just such a great God who would care to come and live with us in such a way. So thanks for Austin and Laura and for their uh, caring and sharing hearts that they really do want to grow in unity, the community and the churches. And so we just thank you for the way that they are conducting themselves and opening themselves up. We pray a blessing on them and their family, that they would flourish and they would find vibrant whole life wherever they are. Um, and especially as they go forward into the upcoming days and weeks. And we just want to lift uh, your name up tonight, Jesus, and glorify you because you are the maker and you created each one of us individually and uniquely and you gave us uh, names and you love us. And we just thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. This was so much fun. <laughs>